The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast on this Thursday edition. And uh, I'm so glad you've taken time to join me today as we evaluate some more of the book of Psalms. And so we're so glad you're with us and commend you for taking time out of your day to be part of this podcast and to be in God's Word. We really hope it's an encouragement to you. And uh, today we're going to deal with a topic. One of the things I love about going through a book, or th- uh, instead of just kind of looking at topics, is, is you do bring up necessary topics that, and kind of letting God establish the topics that we're going to deal with. And today we're going to talk a bit about confession, confession of sin. And I hope you understand a couple things. I'm actually going to cover kind of in a survey all of 100, Psalm 106, if you want to join us there. Uh, confession is something that is definitely... Um, a bit unique when we talk about the idea some who grew up in a certain religious background will immediately think that we're talking about um, people coming and say confessing to me or confessing to people on staff and that's not what I'm referencing here at all today. First John chapter 1 verse 9 the Bible tells us uh, he, uh, if we confess our sins he, this is God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The verse, verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. So we understand that we should acknowledge that all of us struggle, battle with sin. It's not, it doesn't go away until one day when we're in heaven, called our glorification, glorified body, when either at, you know, at the end of time, when God, is, Jesus has come back and brought everybody back together, we have our glorified bodies and then uh, completely freed from those temptations and things of that nature. But until then, we all battle it. We all struggle with it. And so the question doesn't come down as to whether or not I still sin or I battle with sin or whether sin makes me unsaved or the worst person. Please understand. And I'm going to use a bit of an argument here. I hope you don't take this too simplistically, but I think there's some truth behind this. A lot of people I've talked to throughout the years, one of their greatest battles is they say something along the ideas of, how can I be saved while I still sin? I still do this and I still do that. That's where we go to 1 John 1a. Whoever says he has no sin is a liar. So this, he's talking to Christians there. Any Christian who claims they have no longer sinned is lying to themselves. Then he says, if we confess our sins, that means agreeing with God, they are that they are wrong. He, he is God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the key is that God has never said we will stop sinning. As a matter of fact, he said simply a problem. He does tell some Proverbs, just man falls seven times and rises back up. So we do understand that sin is going to be unfortunately part of our life. I don't think we need to be ruled by sin. I don't think it's some, I don't think this justifies us saying I can live any way I want to. But I do think we've got to be careful with that. But let me give you one, one thought. Some people say, well, I struggle so much and I battle so much with this sin. Generally speaking, an unsaved person is not really going to struggle with that battle. They're going to struggle a little bit with morality, things of that nature. But when I talk about struggle, I don't mean the actual battle of sin and stuff. It's that internal struggle of, man, I want to overcome this. And, I'm, and it's the convictions, conviction of the Holy Spirit, all of that. That often, generally, is a proof that there's salvation there because the unsaved aren't going to battle with that. Something to consider from the chapter of Church John. But what we're going to do is to kind of just look at Psalm chapter 106 from just uh, four different aspects. The first one we're going to look at is just David continuing, and he's talking about praising God in the aspect of con- or why we need to confess or why we need to live really what we should be striving for. In verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? 
Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I might see the good of thy chosen, that I might rejoice in the gladness of thy, na of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. And so he talks about the blessings of walking right. Please understand, when he says we walk and do right all times, it does not mean perfection. This is David who is as well known for his failures as his successes as a king. So please understand that uh, he's not referencing. He said our desire, our heart is to follow God. Our heart is to do right. Our heart is to confess and get things right and be able to move forward. But let's go down to verse 6 where he starts in one of three aspects talking about the history of the heart of Israel and often in many occasions against God in rebellion. He says in verse 6, we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Verse 7, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might take, make his mighty power to be known. So it starts off reminding in this passage of the history of what Israel was like. I mean, they, they've been freed from Egypt through a list of plagues. So obviously God's working miraculously. Now they come across, they're being led by a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They're being led and they come to the Red Sea. Immediately, instead of saying, God, you've done so much, what are you going to do? Immediately they begin to show contempt to God. They God, well, what would you bring us out here for? I can't believe you're doing this. And immediately show contempt to God and Moses and all these people. And, and that's one of his frustrations. Now what he says here was, God being a gracious God, opened the Red Sea and led them across not because how great they were, not because they were righteous, not because they were holy, simply because of God. He was my chosen people, and I'm going to let the world know who I am in power. And this passage goes on to say that it wasn't long before their entire enemy entered under that same Red Sea, and God devoured up the entire army by dropping the Red Sea upon them. So we see in this case that there was this, even after seeing such great things happen, there was an immediate rebellion by the nation of Israel against God because things weren't going their way. Immediately, they were so quick to criticize and so quick to what often is used in the Old Testament is to murmur. And it's a, just a, a negative complaint, a consistent complaint. Then let's go to verse 13. Again, I encourage you to read this section because he goes into detail about the different aspects. And I don't have time today to do all of that. So let's just go to verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. They envied Moses also in camp and Aaron and saint and the Lord. So he starts off, they complain, and so he fed them manna. It wasn't a whole lot. They didn't get meat, just enough to get by. But he goes, okay, we're going to give it to it. Then they envied, or they, they became to murmur against Moses. And many of you know that these men that came up against Moses and Aaron, God ended up destroying them because of this. Then we go later in the passage and you'll find that there was a time where the Ten Commandments were being written that they decided to make an idol. They made an idol of golden calf and they brought it out and instead of God being their God now, they were identifying with a golden calf. And it's kind of just the world. They grew up in Egypt and they worship different things. And here's what they said. God has left us here. God has remained silent. Therefore, I need to find a different path. And they're so quick, so quick to walk away from all that God has done and who God is to follow their own desires what they want. And they worship tin in some of the most lewd ways you can. And so you, you look at this, and it's another aspect of God did not fit what they wanted, so they immediately ran away. And Aaron, Aaron was part of this. 
And it came to the point where there was some punishment as a result of it. So <clears throat> let's go on to verse number 34 as he continues in another aspect of it. They did not destroy the nations. Now, you know, in the times that there was actually, let me read one more verse. It's interesting. In the midst of this filth, verse 30, then stood up Phineas and executed judgment. And so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness and of all generations. And there was a plague as a result of the sin. And he saw two people involved in sin and killed them. And that's something we normally would say is a good thing today. But willingness to stand up against what the world thought was okay. They were glorifying this life. And he says, no, I'm not going to do this. And because he was willing to execute judgment and say no to this sin, then God was willing to take away the reproach to them. Verse 34. They did not destroy the nations. When any time God said, you've, you've beaten a nation, you're to destroy it, not be part of it. Uh, so they did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. These were just the ones God told them to, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed, catch this, their sons and daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and daughters. Now, so literally in the idol worship of their day, because they didn't destroy these people and they mingled to try to be nice or whatever term you want to use, ended up becoming friends with them. And that's still not a horrible thing. It's great to influence the world. The problem was they allowed the world to influence them. And allowing the world to influence them, they literally began to worship their idols to the point of many of their idols demanded their some of their children to be killed for them. Can you imagine being so twisted in your thinking that you're willing to do murder one of your own children for this worship? And, and, and yet the world often says that God asked too much. And, and we look at this and they thought it was normal. And this is how twisted they had gotten because, well, the world told them it's okay. The world told them it's okay. And this is where it can become so dangerous because the world tells you it's okay. Well, I'm going to do it. No, 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 no. Be very, very careful that just because the world, the, the, the unsaved, unregenerate world tells us something is okay does not make it right. They say, well, truth is whatever you want it to be. No, truth is what God has said it's going to be. Trust me, the unregenerate world does not like that. But that is the way it is and the way it needs to be. And they think about all that happened. So let me go down and finish this up here. Um, let's go to verse 43. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude. So he brought them out, he protected them because he remembered the promising he had given to them. Verse 47, here's how David finishes. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen <clears throat> to give thanks unto the holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise you the Lord. He starts off with worship. He ends with worship. And then he packages everything else in between with the multiple decisions that Israel had made. And simply reminding Israel, when we made the decision to go wrong, it has brought nothing but grief. As long as we worship and keep God where he's supposed to be, we can enjoy and we can expect his amazing great blessing. But as long as we rebel and decide we want things our way, we cannot expect God to bring great blessing upon our life. And, that, and that's, that's honestly true. He says, blessed are those who go after right, strive to go after right. Because when I strive to go after the right, well, then I enjoy that God is going to continue to have his hand of blessing. I choose to go wrong. It's not that God steps away. I step away. So when we talk about confession. Here's simply put, acknowledging where I went wrong and asking God to forgive and move forward. I don't have to necessarily go to other people and get their, their forgiveness. Now, if you've sinned against those people, yes, but I mean, you don't have to come to me or a priest or anything like that to gain forgiveness. You go straight to God. 
And you get forgiveness from him because he's the one that gives forgiveness. No other human can give forgiveness in, in, the, in the divine realm. He's the one that gives forgiveness. Now, if you've sinned against somebody, go get it right with them. That's the right thing to do as well. But ultimately, it comes down, I, I have a choice in how I'm going to live. Am I going to live in, in a close relationship with God where I strive to stay close to him, which means when I do wrong, I get it right? Or am I going to live in a rebellious life? But here's the problem. It doesn't cease to amaze me. The world keeps screaming, God, stay away. God, stay away. I want to do things my way. God, stay away. And then God does. But then they blame God for all their problems. And that just does not make sense to me. If you claim that God doesn't exist or you claim that you don't want God in your life, then how can you blame him for the problems that come into your life? It's illogical. And that's the thing, where the world is. And that's how Satan wants us to be. He wants us to be free from God and then he wants, but somehow God's supposed to still take care of us. And that's where we as Christians need to understand there's a different thinking in the world. So we need to have a biblical thinking. A biblical thinking of that God loves us and he wants to do it. So I have to do my best to follow him, put my trust in him, and just follow him to the best of my ability and continue to get things right when I do wrong, bring it to him, and strive to make decisions, not based on what the world tells me is right, but strive to make decisions based on what the Bible tells me it's right. I tell you, this is, can be a bit of a heavy topic. Let me encourage you that confession, when I'm willing to get things right with God and confess and move forward, is one of the healthiest things we can do. So let me encourage you to, if there's something in your life you're holding on to, give it to God today. Give it to him. And don't allow it to rule, don't allow it to dominate in your life. Give it to God and enjoy the forgiveness that God can bring and God will always bring to those who call upon Him for it. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning and giving me a chance to be part of your day. I hope this is somewhat of an encouragement as we evaluate a needed truth in the Word of God and may we embrace that truth even today. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you join us again tomorrow. God bless.